0: Hello. This is Daryl Castle with today's Castle Report. Today is Friday, May twenty-second, two thousand twenty. The Friday before Memorial Day, the start of a three-day weekend, when we are supposed to stop for a moment. Remember the fallen. This is day sixty-three of house arrest for the Castle family. Nine full weeks of full-fledged quarantine. The family daughter. We'll spend Memorial Day weekend safe from the virus, but unable to escape from a small island. At the bottom of the world for the Castle family, Memorial Day just might be the last day of house arrest. Since we are all scheduled to return to the office on Tuesday, the lockdown response to the virus makes it virtually impossible to celebrate the day as usual. No solemn observance at the veteran Cemetery, which Joan and I usually attend, no family cookouts in the park with children playing while their parents eat and talk. It is all very sad, but is it necessary? We will look at that question on this report today. This report is based on what I can see and what I can experience in my city each day and its people, its government. Memphis, Tennessee is more than likely representative of many other cities, so most of us Share the same experience. My county of Shelby contains the city of Memphis and several incorporated suburban communities with a total population of about 1.6 million. One of the first things one might notice in Memphis the preparations for an event that has not, probably will not happen. For the most part, our mayor has done a good job considering his responsibilities. I would not want his job right now, that's for sure. Let's consider what he has dealt with and the results of his decisions. I'm certain my wife and I are socially distancing and quarantined in our homes because we both meet one or more of the risk categories that make us members of the vulnerable group. I'm not sure, I asked the question of why the children and the grandchildren must be quarantined as well. Why can't the young go to work to feed their families? Why can't the young enjoy themselves after all? Isn't there more to life than just the mere avoidance of death, which is inevitable for all of us today? We see only the obvious costs of the lockdown, the destroyed economy, unemployment soaring, destroyed businesses, marriage breakdowns, lives suspended, and, of course, suicides. The worst will come later when the destruction of our currency hits us all. The Memphis Daily newspaper is a commercial appeal, which is still printed, but is no longer housed in the gigantic building it occupied before the Internet killed print news. That building is now a massive 401-bed hospital for COVID-19 patients. It was converted to a hospital by the Army Corps of Engineers at a cost of more than $100 million. The commercial appeal headlines announce the transformation in glowing terms. The text explains the types of patients the hospital will care for. There is a picture of the Tennessee governor talking with a major general from the Corps of Engineers About the completion of his work, the article admits there are exactly zero patients in the hospital. It is hoped there never will be a patient I have read through other sources. Enough to believe the hospital capacity in Memphis is less than 50 percent. ICU occupancy less than that. Doctors have recently returned to performing non-emergency surgery, so I imagine the occupancy rate will increase somewhat. Will there ever be a single patient at the new hospital or will it just sit there forever, manned and ready as a monument to overreaction? The virus and the reaction to it have caused other problems in Memphis, as I imagine it has in most places. So far, Shelby County Health Department has only encouraged the wearing of masks in public, but last Monday, The Shelby County Commissioners urged the health department to make the wearing of masks in public mandatory. County Health Director Elisa Halsalter said her department would consider the request, but she is not opposed to making it mandatory. I wonder who gave her, who gave this director of our health department such control, such authority, constitutional attorney and former Harvard Law School professor Alan Dershowitz now says that we do not have a constitutional right to refuse a mask or to refuse mandatory vaccination. He says that in a democracy, the majority has a, quote, right to protect itself from someone with an infectious disease. No one who is a potential typhoid Mary has the right to run loose in the population, Mr. Dershowitz tells us. The government has the right under the police powers of the Constitution to literally hold you down and stick a needle in your arm in opposition to Mr. Dershowitz. I will say that this is a republic, not a democracy. A democracy is, in fact, a socialist concept in that it is about the collective, not the individual. In this republic, minorities have rights that the majority cannot legally violate. The smallest minority is always the individual. So individuals have rights that are sacrosanct from government intrusion. Suppose the majority decided it was in their best interest to return to the old Jim Crow laws. No, no, that legally cannot happen because minorities, especially a minority of one, they have rights. Therefore, Mr. Dershowitz is dead wrong. His logic is faulty. Apparently, the virus and all the new orders... Forcing people into their homes if they are fortunate enough to still have homes has given even local governments the belief that their power to regulate and to control our lives and our behavior has no limits. The commissioners here in Memphis said the intent is to avoid a spike while we reopen. I have yet to see the what if question answered for this order. What if? What if? What if someone, or more likely a lot of someones, refuse to comply with it? Will armed police be used to enforce the order? Will the police comply? Will they simply ignore it? It all serves to foster disrespect, disregard for the law. Another story from the front pages of the commercial appeal concerning my city's response. to real and potential effects of COVID-19 concerns the death rate, local and statewide Safer-at-home orders began in mid-March, and since that time, 700 Shelby County residents have overdosed on narcotics with 102 deaths. Shelby County Health Department Director Elisa Halshalter said, we've experienced more deaths from overdose than COVID-19. She was joined by County Attorney Amy Wiring, U.S. Attorney Michael Dunavant for a joint press conference that promised resources, For those battling addiction and punishment for those that ensure the chain of supply of narcotics remains intact, I seriously doubt that more than $100 million will be spent on a hospital designed to save overdose victims. With said hospital sitting there empty forever, I doubt that everyone will be ordered to close their business, to stay inside for months at a time because of this catastrophic event, the uptick. In overdose deaths is unprecedented, hoss said. The rise in overdoses, fatal overdose has reduced, reached record-breaking levels. The rise in overdose deaths started around the same time as the stay-at-home orders county records show. Once again, we see the chosen cure, killing more people than the disease. Both the health director and the county attorney assure the public that the county is not wavering in its determination to pursue individuals who sustain the supply chain of narcotics. I suppose that's newspeak for drug pushers. The U.S. attorney admitted that the overdose is a pandemic within a pandemic and has actually been made worse by the stay-at-home orders. He said that the very nature of a substance abuse disorder was already deadly. With the isolation and financial hardship from COVID-19, individuals with addiction disorders have raised their demand, it seems. All this is an admission that the lockdown has killed more than it has saved, but I guess hindsight's 2020. The county attorney pointed out that the hospital beds and treatment are available for addicts. Lack of insurance is not a problem, so she encouraged those with the problem of addiction to take advantage of those options. I must point out to the county attorney, it is not COVID-19 that has caused this problem, but the reaction to COVID-19 and the decision to shut down this entire county, close down its economy, shelter in our homes, that decision caused the increased overdose deaths, not the virus. There is another problem that has been caused by the lockdown orders in response to the virus, and that is the denial of the simple pleasures that are meaningless to some but mean a great deal to others. For example, this current generation of high school students has been denied the thing that kids dream of throughout school. That is, high school graduation, they have also been denied that rite of passage known as the senior prom, the commercial appeal last Sunday edition, front page, had a headline entitled, quote, COVID-19 counsels proms, but not the joy, end quote, not the joy. There's a picture of a young woman in her prom gown looking out the front window of her parents' house. The story goes on to explain that she has been planning for this prom since she was a sophomore. She even picked out her gown. I suppose now she will have a virtual prom, her virtual date. We'll pick her up in a virtual limo and take her to a virtual dinner. Then they will attend a virtual dance, perhaps later. They can both virtually attend their virtual graduation, an event anticipated for 12 years. None of that sounds very joyful to me. That that's how the commercial appeal describes it. The paper explains this girl's story is just one of many ways that teenagers are trying to solve the problem of senior prom. The problem being how to be seen looking all beautiful without getting sick, fortunately. We still have our video images that all teenagers spend most of their lives looking at. They dress up literally, the paper explains, and they imagine what could have been. The paper explains that although these kids have lost the right of passage into freedoms of adult life, they have gained something far more valuable. That's how to adapt. Yes, I suppose they have adapted to their forcible confinement. But the question is how much of it is really necessary when all this started. As a business owner, I was told to just quarantine my business and my employees for two weeks, just two weeks to let the curve flatten. So that's what I did. Two weeks have now morphed into three months. We might possibly see the orders gradually lifted in this city, but we're always told it's coming back. It's coming back, folks. Get ready to hide out again. Regulations governing the workplace and its relation to employees and the virus change almost daily, so keeping up with them becomes virtually impossible, the future of the economy and the business in general look grim to me. Will the restaurant business ever return? What about the movie industry? Will people return in large numbers to the theaters or will Hollywood finally get what it deserves? Travel will obviously not return for a long time if ever. Retail is to me the most frightening because so much depends on it. A consumer-based economy like this one depends on having things to consume. That consumption is fueled by optimism, by demand, the future must be optimistic. J. Crew, Neiman Marcus, J.C. Penney, Pier One, among others, already in bankruptcy with many more teetering on the brink. So, where are we to find the optimism? Where is the optimism? I don't know, but perhaps we can buy virtual clothes, eat in virtual restaurants, fly on virtual airplanes to exotic virtual places, visit our virtual families, attend virtual college, get virtual jobs, all paid for with virtual money. Finally, folks, what's all this madness in hysteria about? I'm sure your guess is as good as mine. My guess is that it's a battle, a battle between those who prefer an orderly controlled society that can be directed by experts who, of course, have impeccable scientific credentials from Ivy League universities versus those of us who prefer to live in freedom, make our own decisions about our lives, at least that's the way I see it, folks, virtually anyway. Till next time, this is Darrell Castle. Thanks for listening.